You're listening to the Glenn Barrett Leadership Podcast. We know this will be an incredible resource for your life, so stay focused, listen up, and thanks for joining us. Hey, everybody. Did you know that there are 3,237 people in the Bible? One of those people in the Bible is called Caleb. His name's Caleb, and he is one of the few people, actually, that God calls by name. When we read about Caleb, we see that God had spoken to and led and, and destroyed uh, the enemies of, of the Israelites that's in miracle after miracle, and still God's people rebelled. You know, there are some people today who will say things like, I'll believe God if I see him. In actual fact, the Bible says in John 20 verse 29, blessed are those who know me, but have not seen me. We read about Caleb in a time when God's people were really stiff-necked and, and, and pig-headed. And about Caleb, God actually says this, but my servant Caleb has a different spirit. And because he has a different spirit, I will bring him into the land. My question is this, what is it about Caleb that made God sit up and take notice? Hey, my friend, with 7 billion people on the planet, what is it about your life that would make God, in a sense, sit up and take notice of you? Well, I want to kind of look at Caleb's life, three things that Caleb did, and three important lessons that we can learn from his life that I believe will be a blessing in all of our lives and will help us to live with a different spirit. And like Numbers 14, 24 says, enable God to bring us into a new spacious place. The first thing that Caleb did that made God sit up and take notice was that Caleb passed the test. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was in school and college, I really did not like tests. I did not like taking exams. We, we used to, in primary school, every Thursday, have something called maths stuff. And maths stuff was the times tables. You know, and honestly, the, the stress and the pressure and the kids didn't call that class maths stuff. They used to put it the other way around and call it stuff maths because we really didn't like it. And I remember being just in primary school and wishing that I wasn't me. I, I wished I could change places with my dad and become my dad for a day. And that always seemed like the best thing that I could do. And then one day I realized that if I was my dad, then I'd be married to my mom and that'd be really weird. So I had to learn the lesson that I graduate when I pass the test. When we read in Numbers chapter 13, we see these words, uh, verse 25, at the end of 40 days, God's people returned from exploring the land. The spies returned from exploring the land. Now, if you know anything about the Bible, you'll know that the number 40 is the number of testing. In the New Testament, we see that Jesus was in the wilderness, tempted for 40 days. And so one of the things that Caleb and the people had to do is they had to pass the test. Here's the test. It's in Numbers 13, 31 to 33. 
But the men who had gone up said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. The spies who gave that report in Numbers 13 failed the identity test. If only Hans Christian Andersen were one of the 12 spies. Oh, you remember the story, surely, of the ugly duckling. The ugly duckling believed he was an ugly duck. And because he thought it was true, it affected everything. It affected his thinking, his words, his actions, his, his, his feelings. But then one day he had an epiphany and realized, I'm not a duck, I'm a swan. An unbelievably good-looking swan and everything changed. Listen, if we believe the lies that we find ourselves in, we will be stuck, depressed, sad, feeling unworthy, feeling unable. But if I can learn to believe what God says about me, I will be free. Hey, I want you to know that identity and destiny go hand in hand. If you can't see yourself as God does, then you will see yourself as someone else sees you. Another person's view of you will define you and limit you. Listen to what the spy said. They said, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. And even though there was some truth in what they said, I want to encourage you, don't let what's true minimize what God says. Because it's not who you are that holds you back. It's who you think you're not. I want to know what God says. And if you want to know what God says, then he says this about you, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that you are the head and not the tail. The Bible says, if God is for me, then who can be against me? In the Bible, it says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The Bible says that you are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Caleb passed the identity test. We see that because the second thing he did here is that Caleb shut the voice of negativity. You see, what happened is this, is that the spies had been complaining about the size of the giants and the impossibility. But Caleb, the Bible says in Numbers 13, verse 30, he silenced the people. He silenced the people. And there are times when we have to shut the voice of negativity. Friends, believing negative thoughts is the greatest enemy to your success. Because you cannot live a positive life with a negative mindset. Now, I also need to say this. Not everyone who disagrees with you is necessarily being negative. And that really is the madness 
of some of the political correctness that we live in, that sometimes if you disagree with a person, their feelings are hurt and we end up in this quagmire of feeling and emotion. But I've learned this, facts don't actually care about my feelings. I want you to know something. If you can't sing, you can't sing. Don't get upset with Simon Cowell when he says you're terrible. But Caleb, he said this in this situation. He said to the spies and to the people, he says, be quiet, stop. Why? Because God had spoken. God had said, I will bring you in to a land flowing with milk and honey. And I want to encourage you, friends, be fierce with what God has said to you. I thought it'd be helpful to actually give you six rules for God speaking. The first rule for God speaking is this, is that God will never contradict something he has already said. He won't say something different. How do I know that? Well, for example, God will never say, stop making disciples. It's one of the last things Jesus Jesus said, go and make disciples. He'll never say, stop it. God will never say, don't forgive. If you want to know what God has said, read the Bible. It's all there. He will never contradict the word of God. Which leads me to the second thing, that God will never override something he has already said. In other words, he won't give you something else until you've done. We have this scenario played out in the Bible, Lord, and and we have people who say, Lord, show me how to get breakthrough. But Jesus says, first, go and forgive because there's an order to things. You have to forgive in order to get the breakthrough. We have people who say, Lord, multiply my finances. But the question comes back to you. Are you doing what God asked you to do with your finances? So firstly, he'll never contradict something he's already said. And secondly, he'll never override something he's already said. The third thing is this, is that God will never work against his character. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, it says, I am God. Yes, I am. I haven't changed. In other words, God is still holy and God is still wise and God is still good. In fact, Psalm 119 verse 68 says, God, are you, you are good and you do good. In other words, God will only ever do according to who he is. And because God is good, God can only do good. He hasn't changed and he'll never work against his character. The fourth thing about God speaking is this, is that he will never endorse sin. What does God think about sin? Well, His son, Jesus Christ, died on a cross so we wouldn't have to pay the penalty for sin. I can't even begin to tell you the amount of time over times over 25 years that people have come up to me and said God spoke to them and uh, it was okay for them to, to do something that really the Bible would define as sinful. God will never do that. The fifth thing about God speaking is this, is that God won't get someone else to do what he's asked you to do. Wow, let that settle for a second. He won't get someone else to do what he's asked you to do. It's because he created you with purpose. He designed you to be the answer to someone's question. You fill a gap when you are in your mother's womb 
God put the DNA of divine purpose in you. The sixth thing about God's rules for speaking is this, is that when God speaks, it will always glorify God. So I believe we've got to shut the voice of negativity and be fierce with what God has said. The third thing about Caleb that really made God sit up and take notice, that's why we read about his name, Caleb in the Bible, is that thirdly, Caleb put it all on the line. In Numbers 13 verse 30, it says, Caleb silenced the people and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. Albert Einstein once said this, the person who follows the crowd will usually go no further than the crowd. The person who walks alone is likely to find himself in places no one has ever seen before. And I really love this about Caleb. Caleb, in in the face of opposition and, and negativity, where people were failing the test, the identity test, where negativity abounded, he put it all on the line and he said, we've got to do something. I don't know how we're going to do it, but the God who said it is the God who meant it. You see, faith requires us to do something. The reality is this, is that nothing will happen if you do nothing. Nothing changes nothing. You can't approach something with nothing and expect something. Nothing has no substance. Nothing has no energy. Nothing has no no life. Nothing always brings back nothing because you can only approach something with something. There were times when I was in high school and, and I would go to bed not having done my homework and pray to God that, that, that someone, an angel or, 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 a, or a fairy, I, I didn't really care that someone would come into my room and do my homework and I would do nothing. And I would always wake up disappointed because I did nothing and expected something. That is called magic. And the kingdom of God is not a kingdom of magic. It's a kingdom of faith. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, Jesus says, I I give you the keys of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And I want you to see the formula here that it's earth first and heaven second. In other words, what you do on earth reaches heaven. So what we're required to do, friends, is we are required to do something that there were many hundreds of thousands of people who were failing the test and allowing the voice of negativity to, to dull what God had said. But Caleb put it all on the line and he said, we must do something. I love this because at the end of Caleb's life, we read in Joshua chapter 14, 10 to 12. It says this, Caleb says, so here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out to spy the land. I'm just as vigorous to go into battle now as I was then. Verse 12 says, 
Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. Let me give you a little bit of context here. In Joshua chapter 14, Caleb is 85. 45 years earlier, he had the opportunity to enter and possess the promised land. In fact, the start of the podcast, we started to read from Numbers chapter 13 and Numbers chapter 14. The verse of scripture I've just read to you is from Joshua chapter 14, 45 years later. And when we look at Caleb, when we look at his situation, the people failed the test. The people listened to the voice of negativity. The people were not prepared to put it on the line. And so what happened? Well, when you know the story of what happened, we realize that in Numbers 13, Numbers 14, because the children of Israel were not prepared to follow the three principles of passing the test, shutting the voice of negativity, and putting it on the line, they ended up walking around in circles for 40 years. After 40 years, they finally came back into the promised land once again. Caleb is no longer a young man. He's an old man. And for five years, Caleb is seeing people now inheriting the promises of God. And after five more years, at the age of 85, Caleb seeing everybody being blessed, he makes this declaration. Here I am today. I'm 85. I'm still strong. I'm still as vigorous to go into battle. Now, give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. Oh, I love this. I love this idea that Caleb had a that day. He had a day that he could look back on 45 years previously when God made to him a promise. He said, but because Caleb has a different spirit, I will bring him into the land. And now 45 years later, he's reflecting on that day promise, the promise that God gave him many years ago. Friend, I want you to know that if you have got a promise from that day, if you have a moment that you can look back on and say, God gave me a promise in that day. If you've got a that day promise, then you've got a future. You've got a hope. You've got a reason to wake up today because today could be the fulfillment of that day. And even if you go to bed tonight and that promise hasn't yet been fulfilled, You can wake up tomorrow because tomorrow could be the fulfillment of that day. Listen to these words back in Numbers chapter 14. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land. The word different, different spirit, is the word acre, which means next. In other words, Caleb, despite the disappointment and frustration of having to walk around 40 years in circles, it wasn't his fault that the people failed the test. It wasn't his fault that the people were so negative. It wasn't his fault that the people weren't prepared to put it on the line, but he had a next spirit. 
In other words, he didn't hang around disappointment. He didn't hang around regret. He didn't hang around negativity. He would just wake up every day and say, next, next. He kept moving on into new days and new seasons, not holding on to the hurt, the pain of the past. He had a next spirit. And I want to encourage you today that today, right now, is a good opportunity to say to God, next, whatever it is you have for me, God, I will embrace it. I will pass the identity test. I will shut the voice of negativity. I will continue to put it on the line because the day is coming, my friend, when God will bring you into the promise he has for you. Thank you for listening to this Glenn Barrett Leadership Podcast. For more information, visit us online at audaciouschurch.com.